0: Today's program was brought to you by Le Creuset, made in France since 1925, the first and finest enameled cast iron cookware and a favorite for generations. For more information, visit lecreuset.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T.com.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn.
3: Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway. So we are in Brooklyn right now, but we have some representation from another place quite far from Brooklyn. Um, we are going to be talking all about the food of Taiwan and its culinary history. So, okay, so back up a little bit. Taiwanese food has been in the spotlight quite a bit in the last few years. Um There's been hot new restaurants like Winsome in New York City and there's been just a lot of general interest in this island's rich food traditions from street food and its night markets to its guabao or little steamed buns with pork in them. So um, I'm really excited to be holding a book that I so wish I had when I was working on a cookbook that I wrote about Taiwanese food because it is such a wonderfully in-depth look at the island's rich culinary history. I keep saying that, rich history, of, <laughs> anyway. Um, it is called A Culinary History of Taipei. Its two co-authors are, one of them is here, it's Katie Hue-Wen Hung, hi. Hi, hi, thank
0: hi thank Kathy, you for joining thank you for
3: inviting me. Us. Absolutely, and we also have co-author Stephen Crook on the line from Taiwan. Hello. Hello, thank you so much for joining. Um, so a little bit of um, where and how and why did you decide to write this book about Taiwanese food history?
0: Um I didn't decide to write, it; just opportunity came along. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, I don't have any background about uh, food or or writing. Um, I was made redundant, I I was living in UK Mm -hmm. for 25 years, I had a family, and uh, basically I was made redundant um, twice in 18 months. And just at that time, my mom in Taipei was starting to feel a bit unwell, so I just decided to resign and come back to just see a bit more of my mother. Just at that time, a Jewish writer in California, quite established a full writer, uh, Marlena Spiler. Mm-hmm. She was invited by Taiwan Tourism, and they have uh, like uh, uh, around the Taiwan trip a uh, tour all pay for, uh, right. Everything pay for. The only condition the Taiwan Tourism Board asked them to do is that. When you go home, please, please write some article about Taiwan that to say how, how great Taiwan is, that sort of thing. Okay. And uh, I became friendly with her on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I was thinking how, how sad it is that Taiwan, you had to pay so much money for somebody to write about you. Mm-hmm. Nobody otherwise would be interested well, with in, the press in, yeah, about anything. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Marlena came up with a suggestion that is, I mm-hmm. uh, w- not in a minute. Yeah, I would have imagined. She said, that uh, Katie, because from some Facebook conversation, she realized I'm very interested in history." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Marlena, it's such a shame that people just have absolutely no idea about Taiwan food." And uh, I was totally impressed and totally wow by its uh, local resources and everything. And it just people are so Passionate about what they can offer. It's such a shame that you know people just don't know about it. And 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 she told me that before I came to Taiwan, I have absolutely no idea what is Taiwan or Taiwan food. I just assume that it's just part of Southern Chinese food, and <laughs> and after that would be the Kai ship bro in the Northern Chinese, you know, a uh, noodle uh, culture that sort of thing. And she said that um, I I think maybe giving you an opportunity, you should do one. At least do one for Taiwan, and she said that uh, um, I have a friend called uh, Ken, Professor Ken Abala mm-hmm. and he at that time he has a series of book called Full Biography of Big Cities, and at that time he has published maybe ten or twelve, but all uh, around uh, Europe and uh, America. Okay, and, um, the. He hasn't come up with the idea of doing Asia because it's just not what he wanted to do, intention, intended to do at that time. But Marlena said, Katie, why don't I just approach uh, Ken? Let me just connect you two and see how it goes. Because Ken, although he has absolutely no idea about Taiwan, whatever, uh, he's very open idea. He's a curious person. I mean, He might be interested in learning what he doesn't know before. So he, uh, Marlena kindly connected me with Ken and I was very nervous. You know, it's such a, it's such, it's a thing that I never imagined that I would be doing that. So I immediately connected with Ken. I, I, I expressed my concern, my fear, my challenge, this, this, but he was so supportive that I felt that given the opportunity, I really shouldn't turn it down uh-huh. because he literally just said Katie if you want to do one you go ahead and do it you just send me your proposal and then let's take it from there so wow. he was so supportive that I, I felt that it would, it would be wrong
3: mm-hmm.
0: to, to, to turn down this opportunity and, and my initial motive is really to relearn Taiwan because I've been away from Taiwan right, for right. more than 20 odd years so my initial is it's a fantastic opportunity to relearn Taiwan of all this development that I missed I right. was absent from for twenty five years, so that's that's the start of it. So uh-huh. I didn't, so I didn't start to, by doing. It just lots of lots of circles and things come together. Yeah, and I was given this opportunity and took it. And, and that's now
3: all. it's the first cookbook from uh, focusing on an Asian. It's not a cookbook. I'm sorry, say, it's sorry, a food sorry history book <laughs> Food history book <laughs> yeah. um, in this series on an Asian. On yes, an Asian it's the first Asian city Yeah. So Stephen, how did you get involved co-writing it?
2: Um, Well, I think Katie gave an excellent introduction for how the project got started. And then she mentioned she has no background in writing or anything like this. Uh, Whereas I do, I've been writing about Taiwan for about 20 years. And a lot of the subjects we we cover in the food book are things I kind of, I knew a little bit about or Mm -hmm. uh, I'd heard about, but there were so many subjects I was curious to really learn the truth. So as soon as Katie talked about this project, you know, I was like, yeah, sign me up. Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Well, well done, guys. This is such an exciting book. And um, to help sort of uh, interview you guys or maybe, I don't know, join, jointly be guests with you guys, I, had, I brought in a couple of experts on Taiwanese food. Um, it is Trick Brown and Josh Koo of Winsun. So just wanted to say that you guys are here, right? You're here.
4: Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, guys.
3: <laughs> okay. We're not
4: experts, but we definitely are... <laughs> Hardly experts. Peanut yeah. uh, gallery. i learning, yeah. Uh.
3: So, so, okay. So, one thing that um, I hear asked a lot about Taiwanese food is, you know, what exactly defines it? What... what do you guys get this a lot? Yeah, what is definitely. What is Taiwanese food? What is your response to that? How would you summarize it? And uh, anyone...
4: Well, actually, we were yeah. talking earlier before mm-hmm. uh, while the other show was going on, and uh, we are talking about the menu at Winsun, mm-hmm. and how it's, you know, kind of this Taiwanese cuisine that we're taking from our experience eating Taiwanese food, mm-hmm. and uh, when we talk about Taiwanese food, we're talking about, um, you know the North, the South Chinese brought over, as well as the Japanese influence and, you know, pre-colonial times, uh, kind of influence, mm-hmm. uh, on the food now and, uh, and what we're doing with it in Brooklyn and specifically what Trigg's doing with it and kind of introducing this cuisine to uh, a new audience. Um, but yeah, no, it, going back, it just, you know, it's this amalgamation of, uh, of, of the cultural history and political history of Taiwan and what it's done to the food there. Um, so it's quite a lot of different things.
3: Yeah. I feel like I always have to give a history lesson yeah. before telling.
4: Definitely.
3: <laughs> yeah. And uh, what would you, what would you say your answers? I,
5: I, I guess, um, you know, a lot of people when they ask what is Ta- Taiwanese food, you know, you, I kind of, Challenge them. Or, you know, what is American food? Uh, <laughs> that's, just that's like Josh putting, very eloquently yeah. said, you know it's an amalgamation of like, cultural and political history with layers of influences. You know, um, but uh, you know I, I think to figure out what Taiwanese food is, you really have to look at it from a historical perspective. And uh, and it, and once you're able to contextualize um, nuances and uh, layers of influence, then you can kind of start to wade through some of the actual food um, and. Uh, look at look past that, and some of the stories that the food and the dishes tell, um, because they're pretty profound.
0: Um, halfway between the process, I come up with a catchphrase, which I now I think I'm quite proud of. I said <laughs> I said to people, um, Taiwanese cuisine should not be forcefully defined, mm-hmm. but should be delicately explained. Mm. It needs to be explained because of its complicated history. Um, I mean, lots of cultures have complicated history, but why Taiwan needs to be explained because it's so unknown. Mm-hmm. It's so unknown. If you don't try to explain, people just to- get totally confused. I even get that from the uh, editor. When we submit the final draft, I send it to her. Uh, sorry, send it to him. And uh, after one chapter, he came back and said, Katie, Stephen, I'm just totally confused. Not even get into chapter one because <laughs> he said, "I know that you have a Japanese uh, occupation okay. and you have some Dutch and some Spanish, you know, overpassing pa- whatever. Mm-hmm. But I have absolutely no idea that you have Aboriginal culture and even you, you even have Aborigines living in your island for how many years?" He, he said he's totally confused. Well, so he too, yeah, yeah. So he he <laughs> suggests, and, and you have to bear in mind, he's not an average American. Mm-hmm. He's an intellectual, and he had traveled a lot. And if he says that, then you can imagine that you know what average American would think. So he came up with the idea that uh, Katie and Stephen, uh, I think you sh- you two should work on uh, uh, introduction, maybe mm-hmm. ten ten pages or so, eight to ten page introduction to at least get people into it. Before otherwise, they would be average people would be like me, totally confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether Stephen has something to say about this yeah. part of it. What do you think, Stephen?
2: That was something which uh, I'm I'm very glad uh, Ken reminded us about because after living in Taiwan for a long time, you know, I just kind of assumed people knew, for example, that Taiwan has an Austronesian indigenous population. Uh, You know, it's it's very easy to forget that people outside Taiwan who've never been to Taiwan, you know, don't know these things. Um, And then um, something your other guests mentioned about the influence of history on taiwanese food one thing i would emphasize one thing we we learned is it's not just the political history the japanese colonization and then chiang kai-shek coming after world war ii it's also the economic history and for example the you know the profound influence of u.s food aid after world war ii that's something that surprised us
3: Wow. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that some more. So a lot of people don't realize that, you know, before, um, I guess, relatively recent decades, beef, wheat, these things were not eaten in Taiwan. And you do a great job of explaining that in this book. Mm. But one of the biggest dishes of Taiwan, especially nowadays, the biggest hits is beef noodle soup, which has beef as well as wheat noodles. So that's um, quite a change. Yeah,
0: basically there are two iconic Taiwanese food that is actually uh, influenced by American aid, which uh, is quite a surprise to many people: uh, beef noodle soup and pineapple cake. Pineapple so cake. I, yeah. yeah. So I, I would think uh, I would let Steven explain about this beef noodle soup, but then I'll, then I'll do the uh, pineapple cake. How about okay. that, Steven? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing I often say to people, and I, I didn't realize this until you know we were researching the book, is uh, if you order a bowl of beef noodle soup in Taiwan, it's, it's quite possible everything in the bowl except the water is from the USA, because the, the, a lot of the beef is from the USA, the wheat that makes the noodles is from the USA, uh, the soybean paste, which is one of the key ingredients. Uh, the soybeans come from the USA. Typically, you know, any of the vegetables, <laughs> Maybe the carrots not until... or the greens, um, you know, are imported from the USA as well. Um, and it's something that only <laughs> developed in Taiwan in the 1950s. And it, it would not have developed unless there was an influx of mainland Chinese. But those mainland Chinese cooks would not have really developed it Without the material from the USA,
3: wow! What do you guys think? I know you guys have made Trig and, and Josh an amazing version of beef noodle soup as a special. Yeah, we special out beef noodle yeah. soup,
5: but I think Josh's mom's family being from Tainan in the south, we've uh, you know definitely uh, we've definitely kind of framed our perspective from the south of Taiwan, mm-hmm. which has given us uh, a little bit lent more of a his a. Uh, uh, um, an older historical right. perspective to the food. So I think things that we were drawn to before, um, you know, we we have specialed out beef noodle soup, but, you know... Uh, That's dish, not your forte. Yeah, yeah dishes yeah. like sure. oajin. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll, even when we go out and eat in Flushing, we like to have the oyster noodles, you know, that have, uh, that are much, sometimes more representative of, uh, you know, Taiwanese food from... Before uh, the yeah, 1940s,
3: 50s. Yeah, there's like, mm-hmm. you
5: know, sometimes oysters, pig, mm-hmm. intestines, um, rice noodles, and you know, these are things that you would find in Taiwan mm-hmm. um, and they're not necessarily imported or, uh, you know, it, it's a, uh, you know, humble food that you would find from Taiwan. And, right. Uh, I think it's just, yeah, it's super totally. interesting.
3: Yeah. So we need to cut to a quick little commercial break, but I want to chat more about the role of U.S. aid and also those pineapple cakes right after a quick little commercial.
6: Cease to exist. If I come into a 20 hidden wrecks like this. all you should fight will cease to exist. If I come into a 20 hidden wrecks like this. all you should fight will
0: cease to exist. If I come into a 20 hidden wrecks
6: like this. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. When I'm not making food radio, I'm making food. And my favorite cookware is the nine-inch cast iron Le Cruse Fry Skillet that never leaves my stovetop. My Le Creuset recipe? Slab of bacon and some vegetables in the skillet. There is no better skillet than Le Creuset for my kind of skillet cooking. It spoils me. The heat retention is amazing. Heat a tortilla on super low heat. I even take my Le Creuset skillet with me when I travel. Bacon, quesadillas, burgers, chicken cutlets. Chefs always talk about sourcing the best quality ingredients, knowing your suppliers, using the right cookware and tools is just as important. Head to LeCruise.com slash HRN. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com to see all the new products and amazing holiday gift deals. HRN listeners will get 20% off the new LeCruise cookbook with the code HRN.
3: All right, we're back chatting more with the the co-authors of A Culinary History of Taipei. That would be Katie Huiwen-Hung, as well as Stephen Crook on the line in Taiwan. All right, guys, we're all here, and we've got the um, chef and owners of Wind Sun Restaurant right near nearby us here at Roberta's Pizza. It's uh, also in Brooklyn. So we've got Trig Brown and Josh Koo. So we were just talking about beef noodle soup and um, the history of beef consumption in in Taiwan is linked with uh, U.S. aid to Taiwan. And just as a snippet um, from your book. Um, Chapter 3, you know, you write about how, you know, steak restaurants in Taiwan nowadays often serve this sweet corn egg drop soup that's just like a staple. It's an appetizer. But um, you're right. Like many other modern eating habits in Taiwan. It would have never become so established were it not for imports from the United States. In 1992, to encourage Taiwanese people to make corn soup at home, Green Giant offered substantial cash prizes for the best recipes. And um, this chapter goes on to describe how much America has influenced Mm -hmm. today's food landscape in Taiwan rather than yesterday's. So that's a really interesting
0: That is, I think that is the best Surprise <laughs> that, if, especially for a U.S. reader, I think m- probably everybody we talk about about American ad, uh, influence in Taipei—they were all so surprised. But it's it's a very fantastic information they wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
3: a lot of people nowadays don't maybe remember, don't know why U.S. was aiding Taiwan. Does it? Does Stephen or Katie? Do you guys want to uh, get into that? I guess Stephen to
0: talk about, okay, so sort of technically. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Um, okay, the short story is, um, so after the, when the Korean War started, the uh, U.S. President Truman decided to support the Chinese nationalist government on Taiwan. So from 1950 to 1965, the government here in Taiwan got a, a lot of U.S. military and economic aid. And a lot of the economic aid came in the form of commodities, uh, including soybeans, wheat, um, What's also interesting is uh, some of the influence for beef uh, mm-hmm. wasn't official U.S. aid, but it was beef that was uh, brought to Taiwan to feed American soldiers, and then it was deemed uh, to have expired. So obviously they weren't going to throw it away. Um, it ended up being, you know, Canned. eaten by the yeah. civilian po- population, okay. uh, or it was diverted, you know whoever was on the base took some of it and sold it to the civilian population. So that's, a, you know, unofficial aid or mm. unofficial transfer of yeah. material.
3: It, it's, it's striking when you learn about all, these, all the changes in the last, say, half century or so. But um, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, Josh um, and Trig, you specialize in older cuisine at Winsun, and there is a lot of fascinating history there too. So let's talk about Li soup. The pineapple cakes that are so famous, you know, everyone goes back to t- everyone who goes to Taiwan has to bring them back as souvenirs. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just uh, just quickly add something yeah. about a beef. Sure. Soup. If you try to imagine that um, beef the soup started with a street food, mm-hmm. so those people are really poor people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, how can you think about it? How can they afford to buy good beef? Good yeah, beef? yeah. So, basically, as Steven said, probably initially it started with uh, expired beef. From Expanded. the U.S., so yeah. just in the steak, they <laughs> yeah, chop it yeah. up and chop it out and make it a beef noodle soup, or even the tins. The tins. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So pie apple cake. <laughs> cake. the pie cake, yeah. the short bread crust, the pastry we yeah. eat nowadays is actually developed a recipe developed by a Russian, mm. by a Russian aristocrat, uh, aristocrat who came to uh, Taiwan uh, with Zhang Kai She, and um, there's a bakery called Astoria. Mm-hmm. in Taipei. It's um, called Astoria? Yeah, Astoria in okay. Taipei near the uh, <laughs> Chenghuang Miao. Is, is it, there it, one it, in Astoria
3: Gog- Queen? <laughs> I'm just no, it's uh, the
0: Bo, Bo, I, Bo Airu, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um the story goes that um the founder of Astoria is five Russian, white Russians they called it, and one Taiwanese guy. How did he come about they meet together and develop this uh, now today's iconic uh, bread, uh pineapple cake is um Mr. Jen, this Taiwanese founder, he was in like a, a a building trading business. So basically, he bought parts and maybe making the a, a construction, you know, the material and that sort of thing. So he became acquainted with Flying Tiger uh, staff. Flying Tiger staff. From, oh, yeah, Flying yeah, Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they were stationed in Taipei, so they have dormitory, mm-hmm. dormitory for these Flying Tiger, you know, uh, people. And uh, when they were building this dormitory, uh, somehow uh, Mr. Jen was involved or mm-hmm. connected with Mr. Jen. and these people say that I we only want a Western toilet. Okay. We only want American Western toilet. We don't want any, you know, Taiwanese that sort of toilet. So that's how they became formed, became for the sort of form of friendship, uh-huh. and that's how it all started mm-hmm. for being want the Western toilet. So and then Mr. Jen became acquainted with some um, uh, Russians from there. And you know Russian, Shanghai, they are Russian, white Russian from uh, Shanghai. You know Russian, Shanghai, uh, some of them probably have jump Jewish origin. They are okay. very good at doing bakery and pastry. Like and yeah. Now the American aid comes here that the wheat and butter and milk, they are all American aid. Huh. So we couldn't say we couldn't say really say that Taiwanese didn't have pineapple cake. Of course that's a wrong thing. But the thai, the pineapple cake before American aid mm. would be the original Chinese type, puff. Yeah. You okay. know, like a, like a puff, puff pastry thing mm. that has no no butter, certainly no butter <laughs> and certainly probably certainly no milk. So it's the Chinese type of thing. So this recipe was actually developed by this Russian baker and using you know, uh, American egg, flour, butter, and uh, whatever. uh during maybe 1950s. Wow. So it's certainly, certainly, after Zhang Kai-sheng troop came over.
3: Wow. Yeah. That's so fascinating. And yeah, it seems
0: like and yeah. not only pineapple cake. Almost everything today, the the, the sweet. Ta- yeah, yeah, the Taiwanese style. You call it Taiwanese style cake or uh, mm-hmm. uh, sponge cake like a wheel or cake. Uh, yeah. yeah, almost all of them were developed initially developed by this russian baker
3: so wow and and of course the pineapple is an indigenous uh fruit widely used in taiwan but uh, no no,
0: pineapple was actually i think really i I can't be sure pineapple probably brought in by dutch pineapples were brought in by Dutch. probably yeah i can't really be sure but it's in the book it's in the book so that's the other thing that i wanted to tell you that through research of this book i myself was quite amazed or impressed by the fruits and vegetables brought in by Dutch, uh, particularly okay. via uh, Indonesia. Right. Wow. Yeah, We're talking 16. I think huh?
2: what, one mm-hmm. important thing to add is that the Dutch were in Taiwan in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, that's not a reason. That's true.
3: Thing. Yeah. That's not and true that
2: recent. was just a, quite a short period of time. But mm-hmm. they did have a, a great influence on uh, as Katie says, introducing a lot of fruit and vegetables.
4: Just enough time to plant some Plants. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Plant put down some roots, if you will, yeah. those, those Dutch, <laughs> even if they didn't stick around. Um, so where there's been so many changes throughout the last century, but where do you think Taiwanese food is headed now? Now that, um, I, you know, you guys, Josh Trigg, you guys have been back and forth to Taiwan over the last few years. Um, Katie, you know, Stephen, you live there. What are some new... Twists and
4: turns that the cuisine is taking. Uh, I feel like it's hard to say. Um, you know, uh, of course, it's new-ish here on the East Coast. You know, you have some businesses opening up, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always—it seems to be ever evolving in yeah. Taiwan. And so, in, in a sense, it's you know probably a difficult thing to catch up to in terms of representation. But uh, you know. But-
5: sorry it's just funny like you know it is is definitely seems new right but there's you know there's always been a lot of Taiwanese folks in this area and you know all over the country but it's got what's like new is the representation and the way people are representing it and claiming it and uh, I think that's like what's so cool and and keeps it so uh, adaptive and evolving is that um, it kind of jumped from you know there, there wasn't like a long period where it uh Kind of came into the spotlight. It just kind of like it kind of happened very quickly, and uh, it's um, which definitely lends to a to a unique and fast-paced evolving mm-hmm. um, food culture, which kind of reflects how it is in Taiwan. Which True. yeah,
3: yeah, everyone's cr- trying to outdo one another at the you know <laughs> night market, come up with the best things. Yeah, um, Stephen or Katie, do you have any thoughts on something mm. evolving?
2: I, a, a couple of things which come to mind. One is on the the food supply side. Um, the percentage of food grown in Taiwan, which is organically grown, right. is growing very rapidly. And it's, um, it's behind Europe, but it's quite a way ahead of the U.S., as I understand it. Wow. Yeah. And then on the consumption side, the percentage of people who are vegetarian or vegan is very high and seems to be growing quite rapidly and of course there's a religious factor in that a lot of Buddhists are are, are vegetarian Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's certainly not the only reason why it's growing.
3: Okay, is it also because of just general food safety um, concerns? I think
2: food safety is one, I think animal welfare is Mm -hmm. another factor Just health as well. A lot of people are vegetarian uh, or vegan because they think that's you know the best way to live longer. Mm Mhm. All right. And there's just
5: so many incredible good vegetables in Taiwan.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Totally.
5: The mountain ferns. Um,
0: Can I just say something? Um, Recently, there's a trend reviving old flavor.
3: Old flavors, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: Running old flavor. So, the, the old flavor from my research is basically lard. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: And uh, 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 shallow, uh, deep fried. Uh, 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 fried shallots, fried shallots yeah, and goosebumps. Yeah, that's goose, yeah, yeah, goose right. Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and goose So, fat. But, um, this sort of cuisine probably won't go down very well with a modern uh, diner because, you know, lard, the people sort of resisted to it so recently I don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so recently I uh, researched a couple of um, banquets what happened is they got an authentic um, Taiwanese cuisine master coming to do his Taiwanese flavour but uh, teamed up with some uh, modern techniques uh, uh, a chef mm-hmm. so that worked out fun. very well because people, the young people who have, uh, people under... Thirty under 40, probably have little idea what authentic Taiwanese flavor oh. is. Mm-hmm. So they can enjoy that, but also they they can be comfortable with what's served on the table. i give you just one example. Okay. Just one example. There's a Taiwanese authentic dish, a banquet dish. It's made of liver, but with la, cooked with la, and very watery, you know, with a bit of gravy and that sort of thing. Now, in this banquet, I uh, researched, they got a French chef who created... A, something called a eight layers pie now uh-huh. the eight is important because in the original taiwan dish there are eight ingredients ah. in it so whatever pie or whatever creation this French uh, chef come up with, it has to have a number eight. So he created a French recipe, uh, a eight-layer pie. So these are the things that mm-hmm. it's got story. People yes. like, people like mm-hmm. story nowadays yeah. and people like to listen to these things. And so, oh, I can relate to this bit, Taiwanese bit, and I can also relate to this French bit. So it, there's a trend. Mm-hmm. nowadays to combine the two
3: well it sounds like a winner lucky number eight is a auspicious number <laughs> and um we were just wrapping up here but um i know trig is heading off to taiwan on a flight tonight <laughs> what are you looking forward to eating or cooking
5: um I, 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 there's just so much uh so much on the on the, docket. On the list um, <laughs> okay I'm, I'm, I'm meeting my uh my mentor mm-hmm. um Meeting my mentor there, so we have a lot of uh, a lot of places on the on the list. Um, Are you trying to like master
3: something from him?
5: Like, Um, no, we just haven't gotten a chance to uh, cook together since I uh, left um, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, we're not going to be cooking that much, but we'll be eating a lot together and just spending some good time. And uh, you know, Josh and I. go to this place, uh, Halal Beef Noodle, which is definitely like a different style beef noodle soup. It's definitely not like the best beef noodle soup in Taiwan, but the, uh, you know, they have these really fluffy, um, bings that are, uh, that are, that are unique from my perspective. Cool. And, uh, I, I can't wait to eat that and have some, uh, have some breakfast at, uh, at nice. market. <laughs>
3: yeah. For that upcoming breakfast joint you guys are opening. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Well, oh my gosh, um, so much to talk about still, because if you do read this book, and I hope you get your hands on it, you your mind will probably be blown. It's so fascinating. There's so much history behind every single food and that we didn't cover. So <laughs> thank you so much to Katie. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. And thank you so much, Stephen. I know it's late thank there. Thank
2: you. <laughs> or early. <laughs> early, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> All right, and thanks uh Josh and Trig. Thanks,
2: thanks for, for having us. us.
3: Yeah. Oh my god, you guys are Tweedledee and Tweedledum <laughs> All right. <laughs> thanks for the heritage. All right. Um, thanks, and Kathy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank thank you our engineer Cheat, and we'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Ooh.